Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. So we're in this series, This is Jesus, and just to kind of recap some of it, we've been looking at, at these key attributes of who Jesus is um, because it's so important to remember uh, that, that what we believe about God affects how we live, how we view ourselves, how we view others. Uh, it affects how we, re- how we respond to trials that we face and even everyday stuff of life that happens because it's not always a trial, but you go to work or you send your kids to school or you have a neighborhood, people in your neighborhood or, or, uh, or your family, extended family, uh, family in your home, you go through stuff. And so our view of God often affects how we deal with that and how we deal with others, uh, whether we love them or are very short with them or we're pointing fingers at them. All those things are based in our view of, of God and who Jesus really is. Most importantly, our, our belief in God and who he is affects our relationship with him because that's the most important relationship we're going to have on the planet. So it's important to have a healthy view of God, know his attributes and what that means, what it looks like, uh, that, it's, that it's based in truth and not feelings or opinions. Feelings and opinions are fine and we can't deny them, but they should align with truth, not with how I feel in the moment or how I feel about that person, or my opinion about this person, even though God says the way I should love them this way, well, I don't really like them. Uh, I need to base everything I do out of my life in who Jesus is and what he says and how he lived his life. So we looked at these key attributes to get a fresh perspective into his character and his heart. He's always good. He's always good. He's always good. He's faithful, he's trustworthy, he's, he's 100% just and 100% merciful 100% of the time at the same time. He is God's grace. Jesus is God's grace, God's gift, God's favor to us, and he's the perfect, absolute perfect friend that we could ever have. God never changes, and he loves you more than you could ever imagine him loving you. So be, with, with With all that he is, goodness and grace and mercy and justice and faithfulness and a friend, with all that he is, how does that affect your life? How does it affect how you live your life? How do you live different now prior to knowing Jesus because of who he is? How do you live on mission for the lost and the broken and and the hurting because of it? What's your next move? That's our title today. What's your next move? Because, of this, because this is Jesus, what's your next move in life? The big idea today is that we are to partner with, with Jesus in loving, serving, and, and giving. That, that because of what he's done in our lives, we are to partner with him as we love others, as we serve others, and as we give to others and give towards others in life. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is talking about you. Now, if I say Jesus is talking about you, some people might be like, oh, no, but it's a good thing. So Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 is talking about you, uh, who you are and, and what you are. And it's interesting because if I ask you the question, who's the light of the world, what's your answer going to be? Jesus. What does Jesus say? You. 
Isn't that interesting? We're right. Jesus is the light of the world. I'm only the light of the world because of Jesus. But Jesus says, you, believer, you, follower, you, son, you, daughter, you're the light of the world. This is what he says. Matthew chapter 5. He's been, he's been teaching this famous Sermon on the Mount, and he's still talking. He says, you are the light of the world, verse 14, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it underneath a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds or your works shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father, Jesus says, you are the light. Before that, he says, you're the salt of the earth. And we'll touch on that probably later uh, or, or next year as we, as we walk through the Sermon on the Mount together. You're a city on a hill. You're a, you're a light in a dark place. He says that, that you're a lampstand. Now, churches in the book of Revelation are called lampstands. And we're going to actually start a series next week on Revelation chapters 1 through 3, where we see this revealing of Jesus, this unveiling of Jesus, and his message to the churches. They're the lampstands. And so we make up the light and the brightness of the lampstand right here at the Country Fellowship, or wherever maybe you're visiting today and you go to another church. That's your lampstand, and you're a part of that light that Jesus is talking about. Some of your versions uh, might say, where, where Jesus says to shine brightly, I love that, that phrase, that we are the light of the world meant to shine brightly because, because people are lost in darkness. People are stumbling around, lost, can't find their way out because it's just dark everywhere. So when you come in to their presence, you bring light, you show them the way out by how you live your life, what you tell them, how you lead them out, how you love them, how you show them all the attributes of Jesus, grace, mercy, forgiveness, goodness, being a friend. That's why Jesus came was to seek and save the lost. And his mission is best summed up in the story of of Zacchaeus. Most of you probably know Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. All of us 70s, whoop, whoop, kids in church, right? But in, uh, in Luke chapter uh, 19, Jesus tells us his mission, but it comes in the midst of this story of Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector. He stole from his own people. He's a bad dude. Jesus shows up. He wants to see him. He's up in the tree, and Jesus says, I want to go to your house. So Jesus shows him a true friend. He shows him goodness. He shows, them, he, he shows Zacchaeus, I'm trustworthy, I'm faithful. He, he, he shows him grace. Nobody else gave him grace. He didn't deserve it. Yet Jesus gave him what he didn't deserve. And so Zacchaeus jumps down and he's between jumping out of the tree and landing on the ground. He's completely transformed. And Jesus says this about him. Luke 19 verse 9. He says, salvation has come to this home today for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. In other words, he's a believer now. Somewhere between being in that tree to jumping on the ground, salvation came to his home today. And then Jesus gives us his mission. He says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. And now Jesus' mission to seek and save 
is our mission. That's why we are to partner with Jesus as we love and as we serve and as we give. We do that for others. I don't serve for myself. I don't give for myself. That's not giving. I don't, I don't love myself. I mean, I, I have to have an aspect of love, but I give that away and, and, and love is naturally just a part of who I am. It's always for others that we live on mission for Jesus. And, and so we're to partner with them. And this, this partnership is really interesting, isn't it? I mean, think about it. He is God eternal and all powerful and you're you. I'm just this guy who was messed up and mean and selfish and, and had things all wrong. And then he saves us. And he says, now partner with me. And it's like, a minute ago I was in a tree stealing from people. I just jumped down. Why in the world would you want to partner with me? I don't know about your decision-making skills, Jesus. That was still me back in the day, right? But he knows what he's doing. He saved you and he chose you to partner with him to do all of his work. That's why you're an ambassador. Everyone in here who calls Jesus Savior, you're an ambassador. An ambassador speaks perfectly for the leader of a kingdom. Jesus is the leader of the kingdom. How you speak and what you say and what you do speaks perfectly for Jesus. You're an ambassador from the moment you're saved. He saves us. And then he calls us to, to serve with him. And, and here's the interesting thing, is that we see in Acts chapter 17, God doesn't need anything. I mean, listen to what, what the author writes in, in Acts chapter 17 about how God needs nothing. God is the creator of all things. He doesn't live in anything man-made. He gives life and breath and every single thing to every single living person. He doesn't lack anything that we humans could ever supply for him. He has everything he needs. He made every person and every race of humanity. He spread us all over the earth. He decides who lives where and how nations rise and fall. He decides everything in history without anyone's help. He desires for us to know him and want him and seek him. It's interesting goes from he does all this and needs nothing to the next verse. He desires that we would know him and want him and seek him out. So he always stays close to us so that he can easily be found by those of us who seek him. He's never far away. Verse 28 says, it's through him alone that we exist and do anything ever. We come from God only because only God can create life. He doesn't need anything from us. In fact, he has no needs. God is completely self-existent, self-sufficient, self-sustaining. God needs nothing, yet God chose to need you. From the very beginning of mankind, God chose in his infinite wisdom, in his all-powerful need-nothingness, he chose to need you. God made it so that nothing would be really done through him or from him without us being the ones to do it. And if you don't believe me, read the Bible. 
There are a lot of churches out there, a lot of pastors out there will be like, you're a worm, you're a sinner, live there, grovel there, one day you'll go to heaven. God says, I need you. I need nothing, but I need you. Romans 10, verse 13 through 15, says this about how God needs us in life to do all that... uh, all that he wants in saving people. Listen to this. Verse uh, 13 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, that's one of the simplest explanations of salvation you're ever gonna get. Call on Jesus and you're saved. There are no hoops to jump through. It's this great passage, Romans 10. Paul has written it, and it explains so much. It is the basis of a salvation message. In verse 13 is the crux of it. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then it goes into the how. But how can they call on Jesus to save them unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him if they've never heard about Jesus? How can they hear about Jesus unless someone tells them? How will anyone go and tell them without being sent as messengers? That's why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. The reason the feet are so beautiful is because they bring what somebody needs at just the right time. It's not that they're pretty. Maybe they are. Who knows? I doubt it. Well, they wouldn't be mine for sure. And they're beautiful because they bring this beautiful message of hope, of salvation, this message of uh, fear vanquished from your life, this message of relationship, this message of love, this message of grace to a person right when they need it. That's why the feet are so beautiful. And God has always chosen that he would need us. I mean, it's crazy to fathom, right? But if you go back to Genesis chapter 2 and you, you look at uh, the, the story in, in the garden, God brought the animals to Adam to see what he would name them. He didn't bring them and say, Adam, that is a donkey, that is a platypus, I don't understand. That is a, you know, he didn't do that. He said, it says that he brought the animals to Adam to see what he would name them. Human A human did this, not God, because God has always wanted us to be a part of his creation. It's why we're so adamant and so so passionate about defending life, because from the beginning, we've been a part of God's creating of life. He has us as humans do the creating, right? I mean, we, we have the babies, men and women have babies and all that good stuff, right? And then, but, but to even go deeper than that, from the beginning, God has us a part of his creation of life. He needs you. He needs you to do all that he wants to do across the globe, across the county, across your neighborhood, across your workspace, all the way up to Alaska, all the way around to Haiti and, 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 and the Mideast and, and everywhere that we go. As a church, he wants us involved. He also wants us involved in the sharing of his gospel. We read about what Paul said. How will will people ever hear if, if saved people don't go and take the message? 
And then even Jesus in, in Mark chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, we read the story of how he sent them out two by two. A lot of you know that story. He sent 72 people out, so 36 teams went out to go door to door to share the gospel. Jesus didn't go. He only sent. He didn't do the work. He did plenty of work. We know that, right? Not saying that. But he sent the, the, the teams, you know, 36 teams, two each in the team to go and do the work. Number one, because he was only one person. He, it would have taken him 32 more times than, than they did. Or 36, sorry, my math was off there. 36. But, but also because he wanted them to get involved. They came back and they're like, people got saved. Demons were cast out. Crazy things happened. And Jesus is like, yeah, it's great, isn't it? Isn't transformed life amazing? I would imagine those 72 never went back to normal. They lived supernatural lives from that point on because they were so bought in at that point because when we, when we see the work of Jesus happen in front of us, when we see hope come into someone's life or, 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 or transformation happen over here, or somebody saved who was bound in a, in a horrible way or a relationship restored, man, we're like, wow, I got to be there on the front row and watch that happen? Jesus used me and we get, we get it in us and we can't get it out of us and that's what Jesus wanted from the beginning. God wants us to partner with him as he, as he car- carries out his plans for us and from us. He wants us to partner with him in life. And when we partner with God, he does all the supernatural stuff. We don't have supernatural in us. Uh, Holy Spirit, yeah, but it's still him doing it, right? He does the supernatural. He just says, do your part. Use your abilities. Use your giftings just to do what you can. And here's the thing. He also wants us to use to do the things that we cannot do. Well, I, you know, I'm not really a builder, so I won't go on a building team. So what? Maybe you need to go and, and get better with a hammer or hit your finger a few times or, or just see something transformed in front of you. You don't have to have specific skills and abilities to do work for Jesus. Sometimes that's even the bigger thing God wants to do because people will be like, ain't no way he did it, right? Or I'm not really good at talking about, you know, Bible stuff. So what? Were you saved? Yeah, you got a message right there. Just step out in love and compassion even if you feel incapable. I mean, did Moses have the ability to divide an ocean in two? No one ever was born with ocean-dividing genes, right? No one, you know? All throughout Scripture, you can look at it and go, no, they weren't born with that, they just did it. Joseph wasn't born with the ability to live for, you know, over a decade in a cave prison and, and serve, uh, you know, a, a wicked person and, and be the light of Christ in Egypt. He wasn't, like, born with, like, oh, yeah, I've got, like, you know, cave-dwelling skills. No, he, he's just a guy who followed God and did it faithfully and with compassion and grace, and he changed the nation, actually changed two nations because of it. God just wants you to do your part. He needs you to do your part because that's the way he created things. A number of years ago in Alaska, I can't remember the exact year, uh, a lot of you know the, a guy named Dave Eubanks with Free Rangers. 
um, we had met him a year before, and he had come and, and been a part of our missions conference, and he was coming back again. They do amazing work. At the time, they only did it in Burma. Now they're all over, and like, you name the hardest five countries, that's where they're doing work. Um, currently in Afghanistan area, doing stuff. Um, but they had the Free Burma Rangers, and what they would do, if you don't know much about it, we, we showed the, the movie uh, last year sometime. Uh, I encourage you to go watch it. Uh, it's a documentary movie. It's my son's favorite movie now, either that or Lord of the Rings. He's battling. Um, but in it, they, they go, and the, the, the Myanmar nation uh, as a whole is just corrupt and wicked. So they go into villages, and they kill the men, and they, the boys either can fight for them or die, and then they make the women their slaves and the girls. Um, or they just kill everybody, one of, the, one of those. Uh, so Dave and them move villages, whole villages, when, they're, when they know that they're on the warpath. Uh, and so he was coming to our church. It was October. I remember I was on outreach in uh, Sri Lanka. I'd come back. Uh, and every year we had a, a form about like this, kind of like, looks like the size of your Connect card. On one side it said the support for these missionaries, have 15 missionaries come. On the back side there was one project per missionary, and, and it was usually on a school bus to get all the kids from the Peru villages to, the, to church because the bus broke down or all these crazy wild things. And then right in the middle of it, I remember one time it, it just said, Dave Eubanks, daughter for horse, uh, horse for his daughter. And I came back. I wasn't a part of the planning. I should have been. Would have been helpful for me. Uh, but I came back and I look at that. You see this list of amazing things. And then it's like a horse for his daughter. I'm like, what does she need a puppy to, you know? Ooh, you know, this is missions. This isn't like buying a pet for somebody. Uh, and I'm making fun of it as, as much as possible, just within our staff, praise God, uh, at the time. Um, and I kind of got Nate Steele on my side. He was running our media at the time. Uh, he thought it was a little goofy too. Until one Saturday night before, or one Friday night before the missions conference kicks off, I walk in and Nate's getting the videos already. And we see this video and there's his daughter who's all of 10 on a horse, and she's riding up and down. She's going and picking up old ladies and people who are handicapped, and she's, she's taking them to this hillside. She's going back and forth. There's, there's gunfire going on. There's, you know, rockets being shot in. There's a whole people running for their lives, and she's just going, 10 years old, running, going back and forth, picking up people and taking them to the next hillside, and then once she got all the ones that needed a ride over there, she'd go and take them to the next hillside. And then she comes on the screen, and she goes... I had my horse for the last four years, but it finally died, so I need a new horse to do missions work. Well, I felt bad uh, at that point for mocking, but fortunately I only mocked with like 10 people, so the mocking was held, and now I'm just the one mocked for it. Um, but it was interesting because I'm looking at that, I'm like, well, so they should have just put it in the descriptor. That would have helped me a lot. Um, but I remember she gets up there, and they talk about it, and people are excited to give, and this one lady named Pamela in our church uh, she was actually here a couple months ago worshiping with us. Uh, she just was so filled with, with this story that she said, well, the other daughter who was eight maybe, the other daughter needs a horse too. Uh, they didn't put it on the list, so I'm going to raise the money for the horse. So she just like, Scott, what do I do? I'm like, ah, oh, just raise the money for the horse. And Pamela's a single mom, 
uh, you know, and uh, not, not in the greatest health at the time. And, uh, she didn't have money to, to spare for, you know, a coffee, much less a horse. So it was all from the, the passion within her was she, gonna, she was going to share this. So she just began just sharing with everybody, we need to get another horse for the Freeburn Rangers, for the eight-year-old girl, and people got all on board. They were so excited. They raised so much money that they even bought the four-year-old son a horse so all three kids are rescuing, rescuing people on their horses. Pam was never going to go to Burma. Pam was never going to ride one of those horses. Pam was, was, was probably never going to go to a, a nation that's a third world nation that's hard because of being a single mom and, and what she had responsibilities there plus her health. But she did what she could do. And, and I remember about three months later, we get a, a thing in the mail and it's from Dave, and he says, it was to me. Of all people, he wrote the letter to me. Scott, thank you so much for, the, for all the money raised so that all of our kids could have horses. And then he sent me a picture, and all the kids signed, thank you, Pastor Scott. I'm like, I'm the worst person on the planet. But there's actually a picture. I couldn't find the picture, but there's a picture of me holding the picture of the two horses, uh, the two ones that we, you know, what Pamela helped buy. Uh, and uh, I'm just kind of looking like, yeah, busted by Jesus. Um, but they, they actually were so blown away, they named one of the horses Pamela. I guess that's a good thing. I don't know. Um, but here's the thing. She did her part. It was on her heart, and God did the rest. He did the raising of the funds, the, the getting the horse, getting it to Thailand, getting it from Thailand to, to Burma so they could save human beings from being wiped off the planet by wicked men. Pamela didn't save any human being from getting shot in Burma, but she saved human beings from getting shot in Burma because she just did her part. Don't sweat the supernatural stuff. I can't, I can't, I can't. Don't, don't do that. Let God do the supernatural. You do your part and let him handle that stuff. We are saved to partner with God. Just get in the game. Don't sweat the details. So we move out. God sent Jesus. Jesus commissions us as saved ones. The Holy Spirit now drives this Jesus engine inside of us. And, and so we share the good news like we read in Matthew 5, city on a hill, light in the darkness. We, we share that good news everywhere we go because because. Eternity is on the line for the unsaved. Every unsaved person you meet, eternity is on the line for them. You who follow Jesus, you're set. The, you, we're playing with house money. This is the worst it's ever going to get. Our eternity is perfect beyond our understanding of perfect. We're set. But eternity is on the line for them. Romans 5, 15 through 17. We are challenged to, to go and share this beautiful message of grace that, that replaces the message of condemnation. Listen to, to, uh, to what Paul writes, starting in verse 15. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace, his gift of forgiveness. It's the grace that far, far outweighs the crime it's sent to us through Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of one man's sin. 
For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. That's the message you take. Hey, the grace far outweighs the crime. So what's the Holy Spirit saying to you today through this message? What's he calling you to do? What's he challenging you to be a part of? What are you gonna do about this now? We respond initially to the invitation of, of new life, this, this new life that Paul's talking about. And then we have to understand there's a reality to being saved. And the reality is I'm called to be a partner with Jesus. We are on his team and we are supposed to be in the game. So what choices need to be made in your life right now? What serving opportunities? Maybe here at ACF, you saw the, the ad you know, on, on our announcements. There's lots of crews you can join. Maybe it's something on a Sunday. Maybe it's something with youth on a Wednesday. Maybe it's, maybe it's a part of a, 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 of a Bible study or hosting a, a life group in your home. Maybe you just need to just find some way to give your life away routinely. It doesn't have to be every day or every week, but routinely give your life away. Maybe you need to serve in missions, be a part of a a local mission here that we're connected with that that does amazing work around our community, the the pregnancy center or the crisis network or or weekday ministries or one of these feeding uh, places, you know, that has meals and, and food people can go get. Maybe you just need to serve outside of yourself somehow. What changes need to be made in your life? Does repentance need to happen? Does... Does the light that God's shining in your life right now, do you need to go, okay, Lord, I've been selfish. I've been self-centered. I'm I'm addicted to this. I'm stuck here. I keep falling back into this sin. I need to let you have me completely so that that when when my feet hit the ground, I'm transformed. I'm, I'm tired of being in this tree like Zacchaeus. I need to jump out and get in the game and let you have me completely. Do you need some accountability in your life? Maybe you're saved and you love Jesus and you believe in him, but, but man, you got so many things hidden in the shadows that you just can't let anybody know, but letting somebody know helps you keep out of the shadows to grow, to stand firm, to live obedient, to, to fall in love with the word or to know the word and then fall in love with the word and then follow the word. Maybe you need to tell somebody your struggle so that the enemy has no hold over you in that way. How about purposely choosing to be in community and do life in community? We're having a membership class right after this service right over there. We'll feed you, take care of your kids. Maybe you just need to find out uh, how you can become a part of, of a community of believers that Jesus has gathered together to be his lampstand for a dark world and have fun doing it. God's big idea in saving us is that we are to partner with Jesus to love, serve, and give. That's always been his big idea. If his big idea was heaven only, heaven's a part of it, sure. If it was heaven only, we'd go right away. He left us here to love, serve, and give others, so we partner with Jesus. So we must decide if we love Jesus enough to live on mission 
and live out his desire to save others. Don't ask God to do what what he has given you the responsibility or the gifting or the call to do. You know, don't stand over here and go, man, you, God, you need to really work in their life. I'll stand over here and watch, but don't make me get in the game. You know, oh, man, I, they, there's some needs over there, God. I hope you go take care of them. But I don't, I don't really want it. It's messy. Or I don't know if I've got it. Don't ask God to do something that you are called to do. That's abdicating your responsibility. And that's never a Jesus life. I used to be that guy. And then God just showed me through, the, love, through the, the, the stories of so many people, wow, they poured their lives out for my life to be radically saved. I have to live in the game. And I do it up and down. I mean, I may have pastor on my door, but man, I'm just as, I struggle just as much as you. I'm not perfect at it, but I, I follow a perfect God and, and he does the supernatural stuff. Just Just partner with God. To partner with God, we have to step out in faith. So just do that. So does God need you? No. But does God need you? Yes. That's how he made it. Acts 17 says he doesn't need you. The rest of scripture says, yeah, but I decided I would need you. So he needs you. Our relationship with God is a partnership. Jesus is the savior of the world. Our lives lived out are, are, are meant to, to be God's way to restore mankind. We're the ones who seek so that they can be saved. We seek them out. We find them. We tell them. They get restored. They get transformed. That's how God's decided it. His part is supernatural. We do our part. So what is your next move? What's your next move? I'm going to ask you to stand right now, and I'm going to pray in a moment But what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Everyone in this room, some of you, you are serving and loving and giving, and that is fantastic. Keep praying and asking the Lord if he ever has anything new or in addition to or different from, so we don't just get stuck in a rut. But some of us in this room, we need to ask, okay, Lord, I am your partner, and I'm in it 100%. What do you want me to do to love or serve or give in a way that advances the message of Jesus to seek and save the lost and and to transform people's lives. How are you going to live it out? Jesus said, shine brightly for all to see. He said, I want you to seek and save the lost and the hurting, the confused, the prideful, the broken people. Paul writes to us and says, we're called to live sent so that others can hear about Jesus at just the right time in their lives and hear how God's wonderful grace far outweighs their sin or their struggle or their disobedience. So what decision or change or commitment do you need to make right now? We're going to sing a couple songs together, but during this prayer and then during the songs, I I just ask that you just... You just tap into the Holy Spirit and say, okay, what, what do you want? What do you want from me? What do you want me to do? What would you like me to, 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 to step into doing next, Jesus? So would you pray with me and then we're going to worship. Lord, I, I thank you for your commitment to us. That, that almost unfathomable understanding that you need us. 
You don't, but you do. You've always been that way. You've called us from the beginning of creation to partner with you. You're so gracious in that. I I think of a dad who, who takes twice as long to fix an engine because he has his son help him out with the tools and with the stuff. The engine still gets completed. The car still runs. But the relationship, you can't put a price on that. That's what you want. You're just a dad who wants to do amazing things with us right there with you. If we could get that, if we could grasp that understanding, I think we'd all be running out and and finding more to do because of you. Not for you to earn anything, but because you just long to do stuff with us as our dad. And Jesus as our brother and our friend, he just gets so excited to see lives change because uh, with us right there, because you know what it does in us and, 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 and really to us. And Holy Spirit, I know you love dwelling in temples that are on mission. So would you just speak to us? Would you just, would you just take away the stuff that's getting our attention, that's, that's, uh, that we're stuck in? The, the yeah buts and the I don't knows. Would you just take that away right now and just let us hear from the Father, from the Son, and from the Holy Spirit as we worship you. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.